everybody, it's Heidi. I've been thinking about how to approach this Parks and Recreation rewatch. Um, I was inspired by uh, some of my favorite podcasts, especially uh, the Gilmore Guys podcast, and I thought it was so creative and so fun. They went really in-depth. You know, they'd have episodes that were hours and hours and hours long. I'm not going to do that here. Parks and Rec will be a jumping off point for conversation about what life is like right now. And uh, I wanted to, to check in and see how everybody out there is doing, what, what you all are up to, and share what I've been up to. So right now we're in the pandemic. It's towards the end of May of 2020. And the things that are really helping me right now are getting outside. And I know uh, for everybody, that's different. I live in Oakland, California. There are parks that are open and you're just supposed to stay the fuck away from everybody. I've been able to do that pretty successfully. Sometimes somebody does walk by me with without really paying attention and I just sort of move the fuck out of the way from them. Uh, but mostly it's really been nice. I've seen people roller skating, throwing the ball around. Um, I've seen people use the basketball courts as their kind of own little weight training zone. Uh, I've seen a lot of ducks and geese and baby geese and baby ducks getting as much sunshine as possible and really working up a sweat and walking around for like at least 45 minutes, if not an hour or longer. It's helped me sleep a lot better at night helps me connect to sort of a normal experience. This is the kind of thing I did before quarantine. It's the kind of thing I'm doing now. I'm just wearing a mask now while I do it. I'm getting used to that and it's it's fine. You know, it's a little different. Took a while to adjust to that, but I get to wave at other people. I saw a woman running by with her weenie dog and uh, her little dachshund was just keeping pace with her and they were just running along and it, it really made me laugh and smile. And those kind of connections with other people are helping me a lot right now. Movement and mindset have been my two anchoring points. I always wondered, I wonder if y'all thought about this as well, watching, you know, The Walking Dead or post-apocalyptic films, things like Mad Max. Oh, if that ever happened to me, how would I respond? You know, I always thought like, well, I'd be pretty good. You know, I would, I'm, I'm a pretty sturdy, resilient person. I bet I'd be all right in situations like this. And I think physically, yeah, I'm pretty good. But uh, mentally, things can fuck with you a bit because we're so used to, I mean, let's face it, we're pretty spoiled. We're used to having access to everything and being able to do practically everything all the time. So having these restrictions feels abnormal and weird to us. But I think we're pretty resilient people. I don't want to give you a hard time if you're feeling blue or confused. I think that's part of this process. And uh, mourning what was is part of the process. So please do that when that feels like the best thing to do for yourself. But I also would say think about how as creatives restrictions can be useful. You know, having certain types of restrictions are ways of looking at creative problem solving or doing something different than we used to do. Uh, looking at life from a different lens, a different point of view can be something that helps us be even more creative. 
Are you feeling challenged or stuck or is something breaking open now that it's been a few months, you know, are new things emerging from your creative mind? For me, I've been doing some really uh, delicious cooking. And at first it was ugh, a challenge. I'll tell you some of the things that I used to make all the time, just like soups and salads and things that were uh, stuff I made regularly. I don't know. I almost felt like my taste buds were broken or something. <laughs> it was hard for me to, um, you know, have the attention the attention span. But now that it's been a while, I've actually uh, found some new recipes uh, over on Bon Appetit's website. Checked out their spicy sweet sambal pork that I'd seen demoed on the YouTube channel. Oh my god, you guys, it was so delicious. It turned out fantastic. It's got ginger and um, sambal alec in it and garlic. Oh my God, it was so good. It'd be pretty easy to make vegetarian too. I think you could make it with mushrooms or roasted vegetables. And that's one place I've been placing my creative energy. So today's episode of Vibrant Visionaries, I talk with my friend Cass about the first three eps in the first season of Parks and Recreation. This was a little bit of a challenge for me because all of the characters on this show evolve and change, especially from season two out. In season one, we meet Leslie Nope, and she's perky and she's energetic. She's a bit naive, but her heart's in the right place. And then a lot of the other characters are kind of light on <laughs> personality development. In fact, Donna and Jerry, Gary, Larry, who are going to become main characters in the show, don't even have any dialogue for the first few episodes. That really threw me off. And then a lot of the characters are just kind of dicks, like the guys, Tom Haverford, Brandanowitz, and even Ron Swanson, especially Andy. Like, they're just kind of these assholes. If you're watching these for the first time, have no fear. These characters get a lot richer, and uh, at least for one of them, they're not even going to stick around for that long. So in the first three episodes of the show, we meet Leslie, we meet Ron, we meet Tom, and then we meet Anne. She pipes up at the community meeting to uh, share that her boyfriend Andy has fallen into a pit that's near her house. And this begins the uh, relationship between Ann Perkins and Leslie Nope, and also begins the saga of turning that pit into a park. And this is one of the stalwart anchoring points of this show. Leslie is excited to form her first subcommittee, and hilarity ensues. And that's really mostly what happens in the first three episodes. <laughs> part of Parks and Recreation is thinking about the parks system, and uh, I want to explore it more to get out there and experience nature. I'd love to know what parks you've gone to and experiences you've had, whether it's hiking or seeing new animals, seeing new landscapes, interesting camping adventures. Share all of that stuff at coach at HeidiBennett.com. That's how you can email me or you can find me on social media on Twitter at VibrantVizCast. On Instagram, I'm at VibrantVisionaries. 
And I actually started a Facebook page and Facebook group, something I have not done (laughs) previous to this, but I was like, you know what? There are still a lot of people on Facebook that are my friends and, and people that listen to the podcast. And so let me make it easy on everybody. If you just look up at Vibrant Visionaries on Facebook or look for me, Heidi M. Bennett on Facebook, you can find the page and join the group and we'll have conversations there. And I still have the Discord channel and the Patreon, and I'll have links to all of that stuff in the show notes. I also wanted to mention that there was that Parks and Recreation special. I sort of teased that I was going to do a recap of that, but really, actually, the best way for you to get a recap of that Parks and Rec special is not from me but from the creators themselves. Several of the creators and folks that were on the special were on The Good Place, the podcast, a podcast that I highly, highly recommend. There's a bonus episode called A Parks and Recreation Special Roundtable. Mark Evan Jackson, who will also show up on Parks and Recreation in later seasons, Listen to him talk with Mike Schur, who's the co-creator, Nick Offerman, who's Ron Swanson, writer Aisha Muharr. Mike Schur even talks about the origins of creating Parks and Recreation itself. So that's a great primer for everyone. So go ahead and enjoy this episode with my friend Cassandra Nelson. Please keep in touch. Know that you are not alone. We are all going through this crazy bullshit together. (laughs) I'm trying to keep my sanity. I love all of you and really appreciate how you've reached out to me and shared what's going on with you. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Ciao. Hello. Hi, my name is Leslie Nope, and I work for the Parks and Recreation Department. Can I ask you a few questions? Would you say that you are enjoying yourself and having fun, having a moderate amount of fun and somewhat enjoying yourself, or having no fun and no enjoyment? I'm going to put a lot of fun. Miss Nope, there's a drunk stuck in the slide. to Vibrant Visionaries and a rewatch or watch for the first time of Parks and Recreation. I um, asked a friend of mine who had already scheduled to be on the podcast if she'd ever seen the show before and she hadn't yet. So I'm excited to be jumping into the show and talking with my friend, fellow Vibrant Visionary, a multi-creative professional, Cassandra Nelson. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this is this is such an honor. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Um, we've been friends for a long time through Instagram mostly and through the fact that we share Tibbies. We both have Tibetan Spaniels as our dogs. I call Pokey my co-producer of the podcast and you have Polly. And then over, over time, we realized we had a lot in common. So let's start out today talking about what it is um, that you do, how you spend your time, your projects. Yeah. So when I started following you, it was 
probably towards the beginning of me getting on Instagram and using Instagram for my brand new business, which is called Exceptional to Infinity. And um, I'm a multi-creative. I'm an artist. I do oil painting and photography and dabble in some writing. My interests are neurodiversity, creativity, art, you know, uh, psychology, especially um, positive psychology. And I'm just now diving into um, this resurgence of psychology called humanistic psychology. Um, I have all of these sort of interests that I pulled together underneath this umbrella. So when I found you, I think it was through our dogs, but then I noticed you too were also into creativity and very specifically helping others. You also have this sort of intrinsic drive to kind of not just do your own work, but pull people along with you. So I market myself and my own work and promote it, but I also try to promote other people and most specifically neurodivergent artists, people who um, whose minds work differently and have different perspectives on life and how they see things, how they see the world. So I try to help promote them and take them along with me. I'd like to talk about the first few episodes of Parks and Recreation. And the homework that I've given everyone is to have watched the first three episodes of season one. I wanted to talk about the first few episodes with you, not in any particular order. I mean, just sort of overall thoughts. But also, we could wrap back around to this human, what did you call it? Humanist psychology? Humanistic psychology. Yeah. When you say humanistic psychology, I don't off the top of my head know what that means. But I do know that the show after this, that Michael Schur, who was one of the co-creators of this, that he did was The Good Place. And there's a lot of, you know, psychology and humanism that is a part of that show. So, you know, maybe we can connect some threads there with me just from context clues, guessing what humanistic psychology might be about. (laughs) You are so astute. I think you're right on track there with it. Yeah, I'll just say really quickly, humanistic psychology, if people recall who Abraham Maslow is and the hierarchy of needs, that pyramid structure, building towards basically self-actualization or becoming your best self. And so I very I have a huge affinity for this in my own life and in the work that I do, just trying to better myself and improve myself. But um, what humanistic psychology does is it talks about how you sort of try to control your ego and your behavior that in that way and better yourself. But not only that is you try to take people along with you. Well, I look forward to learning more about that. You let me know that this was the first time that you'd seen these. I'm just curious, yeah, what your take on the first few eps was and um, what it was like to just watch it for the first time. It was great. Uh, This has been on my list as a show to watch forever. Do you know the year that it came out? 2009. Okay, yeah. When it came out, it was a huge hit. Uh, with my coworkers at the time. And I was working at a government crime lab. So I was working in government. And and now in seeing the show, I couldn't make time at at the time when it came out, I couldn't make time to see it because I really honestly had no time to watch TV. I had two little kids and was really busy around the height of this uh, show. But everyone would talk about it, you know, in the lunchroom and by the water cooler. and, And I always felt so left out. But I was always wrapped up in my own stuff, too. So watching it, 
reminds me of, you know, okay, I'm coming into this late, but I'm I'm still really having this great appreciation for it now in having been out of government and watching it from now, you know, someone who works at home following their passion. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, being pulled back into that world as I'm watching the show, um, identifying a little bit with each of the characters, because I knew all of those characters too, by the way, like in real life, like the type of people that they're trying to portray here, you know, the person who who seems to appear to like do absolutely nothing, right? <laughs> and then, who's playing games literally on their computer. <laughs> um, the person who, you know, obviously one of the, ma- the main character who really believes in what she's doing, but maybe a little bit not astute to the the system that she's working in and the the constraints that are there that are not going to allow, you know, certain things to happen that she's trying to make happen. I pinky promise all of you that I will help. And I will go to that location tomorrow and we will fill in that pit. And then when that's done, we're going to put a park on the land. And I love Amy Poehler. Mm -hmm. She has always been, I think, an amazing comedian and actress she just uh, there's something about her humor that I love like that's my type of humor (laughs) yeah totally um the writing is spectacular it's very witty very quick Mm -hmm. little things that if you don't listen like you might not catch intelligent writing I'm always looking for in a show and what I find very difficult about today's tv actually I still really appreciate a few shows here and there um and I'm glad I got to watch some of this one. And I'm going to keep watching this because it sounds like it gets even better. And I was impressed with what I saw so far. Excellent. Yeah. And I appreciate you, you know, taking the homework to heart. Well, I got excited because I, I remembered that season one was, you know, fun and, and pretty cool. But I was like, ah, but I know it just gets better and better and better. And, and they really actually, you know, went back to the drawing board and retooled. But some of the things that I noticed right away from the beginning, of course, is they have this mockumentary style that I like the fact that, and you'll see as the show goes along, that they continue in the mockumentary style in that, it, you know, there are cameras there that appear that it's a documentary being made, but it's never referenced again after this first season. Like nobody's talking to the documentarians and asking them questions or or really you know, referencing it, it just becomes this running gag, if you will, that they're talking directly to the camera, which I really like. But uh, something to tie to my first podcast, the first podcast I ever did was This is Spinal Tap. And the DP for This is Spinal Tap was Peter Smokler. And he's also the DP, at least for this first season of Parks and Recreation. It made a lot of sense, you know, that whole documentary style that he was the same. So that gave me a chuckle when I saw that today. I like seeing those connections with creatives, like when you find different projects that you really love, and then you find the common thread and you're like, aha, I see it. (laughs) Now I understand. I appreciated the style too. I love 
the sarcasm. It makes me as a viewer, like some of the scenes, it is so, <laughs> it's like <laughs> so inappropriate, you know, some of the, the scenes with the murals that, um, <laughs> that she's showing and she keeps wanting to show them and show them. <laughs> she feels comfortable and like, you know, doing her spiel like over and over and over. She's practiced it and it makes right. her feel like she's important. <laughs> and it's so, so inappropriate. Wow. Oh yeah, this is our crown jewel. It's one of our best murals. It depicts the very famous battle at Conega Creek. We have a lot of children visit, so often we have to cover up the more gruesome parts with a poster. That is horrifying. It reminds me of that movie. Is it Best of Show or Best in Show? Yeah, the Best in Show. Yeah, I just, oh God, I love that movie so much. (laughs) (laughs) The characters, Jennifer Coolidge, and, and that was very much in the same style, so. Yeah, those Christopher Guest films are a really good example to me too of what you're talking about that uncomfortable thing that the co-creators uh, Greg Daniels and Michael Schur they previous to this co-created uh, the office of course is from the British office but like my personal ability to handle that discomfort it leans too much into that for me for the office so I'm one of those rare folks who isn't really connected to the office too much. Whereas on this show, it leans more towards uh, still being, you know, a satire, but not the uncomfortable. This is too awkward. I get more of a comfort reaction to Parks and Recreation that I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't an avid follower of the office, but I saw, I would say, a handful of those episodes. And I see the difference that you're talking about. I think with Parks and Rec, you're seeing more of a display of humanness of the personalities of each of the characters is what I'm picking up on is there's the sarcasm and the there's like a lot of wit in the writing and the way that the characters are speaking and obviously eliminating some of the the horribleness of just <laughs> the situation of, of a system that is completely inadequate and people who you know are in charge but also the other part of them which is like a lot of these people are, they're not bad people. They're just, <laughs> right. you know, they've got some, some, uh, a lot of ignorance, probably some prejudice and some privilege there. And like all of these dimensions that we kind of sweep under the rug a lot and they're being illuminated. And I love that aspect of a show when it can kind of make you uncomfortable, make you think, and then therefore make you have conversations. I do see more of a humanness and yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. And that's one of the drivers for why I wanted to talk about the show right now, because yeah, none of the characters are perfect. I can relate to all of the characters on the show in one way or another, in their vulnerabilities, in the way that they strive, in the way that they fall and how they're, uh, you know, how they grow and how they help each other out and uh, how they lift each other and, yeah, pull each other along in that humanist way that you were talking about earlier. The murals are a great example of us living with and even pointing to sometimes our humiliating history and the horrible things that we've done and the way that we've treated people sometimes historically it's not pretty but it is you know it is a real part of our established history as americans and i appreciate that they point at it and uh, give us something to think about i think that's super important i want to agree with you on that because when i did see several scenes so far of 
what is the main character's name? The um, Leslie Nope. Les- Leslie. Okay. So when she was doing that and showing the murals, I was thinking to myself, like, this is real. This is a huge issue even here in our local area in the San Francisco Bay Area with these murals that, you know, people are fighting over. I'm following this discussion that's happening right now in San Francisco with a lot of our murals that are still up. And it's interesting, all of the the different solutions that people are trying to come up with to try to meet everyone's needs. The other thing that I wanted to point out, because it's one of my favorite, just funny things, the visual silliness of the pigeons. Did you happen to notice that there's quite a few pigeons about on the show? No, how did I not pick up on this? I'm pretty sure in every single episode, uh, at least these first three episodes that we watch, is that the courtyard that the building is, that the city hall is, there's this courtyard with pigeons and there's just live pigeons hanging out. <laughs> and I don't know, every time I see them, it makes me giggle. It's just such a, a fun choice to make adding these pigeons and it keeps everything just kind of absurd, no matter what conversations are happening in the foreground. Okay, brainstorm. How do we make this park happen? Let's go to the city council directly and ask them to put up the money. No, parks are not a priority. I need more firepower. I need bigger guns. You know what I need to do? Form a committee, right? Yeah, it could work. Yeah, because committees are power and committees make things happen. Committees are the lifeblood of our democratic system. Yeah, I did not pick up on that, but I love I love it when a show will do things like that, when they can examine all of the in-between and not just the extremes. Yeah, I, I like to use that word to extremes because I think when I look at the different characters and can relate to some of the way that they react, like I think, you know, Leslie and her enthusiasm and excitement and sort of trying to get everybody as excited as her level. I have definitely done that before where you're a little bit blind to reading the room and what everybody else is thinking is just like, come on, everybody get on board, you know, what? and, and that can serve you. Uh, but can also give you blind spots. I can completely identify with that as well. The expressions, uh, this is what I love about Amy Poehler and her abilities. Mm -hmm. They're so nuanced, the expressions on their face and and what they're saying. You hear what they're saying, you see what they're trying to portray, and then you see this little underlying kind of, you know, emotion. Yeah, like their inner thoughts are also being on their face at the same time. That's something I appreciate so much. Like, I want more of that. I want to see nuance. I want to see the underlying stuff. I want to see the struggle that people have. There is a a section where she goes to Mark Brandanowitz and really says, I defer to you. You're the one that can lead. You know, she just kind of really gives it all over to him, like really cows to his supposed expertise or ability to lead. And I remember doing that in early musical projects because I wanted to be the band leader and call myself a band leader. And I was the singer and I was choosing the material we were going to perform and I got everybody together, you know, and chose my bandmates. But there was a, at a certain point, a drummer, he was drumming for us, but he also led his own band and was a songwriter and he had years of experience that I didn't have. And so I noticed that I would just default to his 
his expertise and default to his opinions. In some ways, you certainly do want to find mentors and, and people to learn from. But, you know, as a younger person trying to get my own band going, I realized I was really giving him all the power too, because I just kept defaulting to like, go, well, whatever he says, you know, what <laughs> he says and does best. Yeah, I can remember doing this a lot too. I feel like it's very much uh, like when you're younger and you just haven't developed that sense of confidence in being able to pull off what you need to pull off and like you just sort of retreat. <laughs> you, you run back to who you know, you know, has set the bar. Okay, I have an idea. What about bringing Mark on board? Which Mark? Which Mark? Mark Brandanowitz. Which Mark? Well, if you want something done in this town, you call Mark Brandanowitz because, you know, he's a city planner, but he's more than that. He's kind of like a fixer. He fixes things. He's a smart, capable guy. He just, he knows where the bodies are buried. And we learn so much more when we just, yeah, stumble forward and, and get into those discomfort zones and and uh, do those things we've never done before and, and then just, yeah, ask for help along the way. But that's how we learn. That's how we grow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's how it happens. And yeah, as we get older, you just get more comfortable with like the unknowingness of things and um, and yeah, more confident in what you do know, you know, and what you are uh, skilled at. Yes. Yeah. I love talking about this stuff with other people, too, especially with someone like you. You get to get all nerdy into all the layers. Yes. This is, this is what <laughs> I really love to talk about. So many layers and people get so exhausted sometimes with me, you know, <laughs> day, like, like, can we stop talking about this now? <laughs> uh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about it with you today. And I think we should uh, reschedule for a later season to see how, you know, we can reflect yes. on how things grow and change over the course of a, you know, a few seasons. I love this idea. Well, I think this might be a good spot to wrap up. Um, yeah. And then um, the homework for everybody will be to watch the next three episodes. So we didn't go into like a super deep dive of the first three episodes. I mean, there's certain episodes in the future that we'll really be doing more of a deep dive. I did note that in the second episode, we, we see Andy Dwyer and he says his band is called Just the Tip. <laughs> I mean, we laugh so hard. <laughs> this is so, this is Spinal Tap too. And then in the episode three, his band was called Three Skin, but now it's called Four Skin. <laughs> we also get, we get to see JJ's Diner and establish that Leslie loves waffles. And that will be a running theme. Also, the raccoon problem is mentioned. <laughs> so great. <laughs> and I noticed that Tom Tom Haverford had an iPod shuffle on his desk. And I thought that was a good little timestamp oh of where God. we're at for 2009. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that also Leslie mentions that leprechauns exist. Because <laughs> 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 when uh, Shauna... Um, is interviewing her and says, do you mind if I share some of the comments 
of some of the other folks I interviewed. And, and she, uh, part of her response to that is that leprechauns exist. And I like that. Uh, that, was a, that was a great scene, actually, the two of them. They're shoving, shoveling the waffles. It gets more and more furious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So yeah, so I'll share all your links and everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me on here. Oh, it was a pleasure. That's it for the first official rewatch episode of Parks and Recreation. This has been Heidi Bennett of Vibrant Visionaries. You can currently watch Parks and Recreation on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and the new Peacock streaming service. You can find all Vibrant Visionaries episodes at VibrantVisionaries.com. Ciao! I've created this office as a symbol of how I feel about government. This sawed-off shotgun belonged to a local bootlegger. People who come in here to ask me for things have to stare right down the barrel. Did you guys get a grant to do this? This is my basketball court. I don't want to see any double dribble. I don't want to see any three-second violations. Bye, night!